so grateful tonight to be able to talk about the ministry of deacons, and we're going to do this tonight, and then part two is going to be on October 10th. These aren't going to be identical, so um, if you're interested in hearing the whole thing, you want to come back two weeks from now. Uh, there's a handout as well. Uh, Joe just went and got one. Does anyone still need one? Anyone didn't get that? Okay, we're good. Um, there's going to be time for questions and answers as well. And you're going to hear us use words like deacon to refer to those who serve in this ministry and then the diaconate uh, or diaconal ministry to kind of refer to the collective uh, body of deacons in our church or the type of ministry that's being done. Uh, the Christian church has had a flourishing diaconal ministry for over 2,000 years. And there are some guidelines given in scripture, especially uh, about how deacons are to uh, be qualified, the spiritual and the character qualifications for the ministry of deacons. Uh, but the scriptural guidelines allow quite a lot of room for flexibility about how to structure diaconal ministry because uh, the needs vary from place to place. And it's the, the Bible is not highly prescriptive about how we do this. It's more prescriptive about the type of people that should um, work in this role. Uh, diaconal ministry is a beautiful ministry because it focuses the church on the servant-hearted character of Jesus. And Jesus said that when his people give even a cup of cold water in his name, it will be rewarded. That's, that's how God notices uh, the care that his people exercise toward one another. Uh, Jesus said that whatever we do unto the least of these, his brothers and sisters, we do it unto him. He has a special care and attention for people who are hungry, people who are poor, people who are in prison, people who are afflicted, people who are in need and vulnerable. And if we minister care to someone who is suffering in these ways, we are ministering as unto the Lord Jesus himself. The Apostle Paul emphasized the spiritual significance of diaconal ministry when he said in 1 Timothy 3.13, those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. That's very noteworthy because in the list of requirements for the elders that precede the deacons, uh, he doesn't say anything like that for the elders, but he, he stresses that those who serve well as deacons get a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith. So there's something about ministering to the needs of others that strengthens you in your faith. So here at New Covenant, ever since our beginning, we've had men who have served in this ministry very fruitfully and faithfully, often behind the scenes. Uh, they've served with great care and diligence. Uh, our deacons have administered material and physical help uh, to members of our body who've gone through hard times. Uh, they have systematically cared for the widows of our church, making sure that none of them uh, fall through the cracks. They've cared for single mothers. They've cared for the sick. They've overseen our property. And they've worked hard to make sure that our facilities are in, in good repair. And none of them have gotten paid for this. They've done this sacrificially, and they've done, some have done this throughout the entirety of our church's history, like Barty, uh, who has served the, the whole time we've been together as a church in this role and, and who's 
right now in the, in the process of, of stepping away from formal diaconal ministry, but we're so thankful, Marty, for the way you've served faithfully in this role and the example you've been to the deacon team and to our church. So we're doing these two sessions because we want to reinforce the importance of this ministry, and we also want to breathe some fresh life and vision into the ministry with a structure that we think is going to serve our diaconal ministry even better in the future. And the next session on October 10th is going to be talking more about the structure of the ministry. Um, but one of the things we also want to do is add new deacons who will team up together with, the, with those who are currently serving and share the load and equip the people of our church to serve others in Jesus' name. So let me just tell you a little bit about the history of how we came together. I think all of you know this. We came together 11 and a half years ago in 2010 as New Covenant Bible Church out of the marriage of two former churches. And I had served as a pastor in one of those churches for about 18 years at that time. There are a few of you who are uh, here tonight who were part of uh, that uh, church. And then there are others of you here who were a part of the other church. And I'm deliberately not even using the names of those former churches anymore. Uh, we're not doing that out of uh, any kind of uh, bad feelings toward the past, but, but really because when we came together, we agreed to leave our former identities behind and to form a new identity, New Covenant Bible Church, with a fresh commitment to bring glory to God through spirit-transformed lives by the beauty and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and the result of that marriage is that now uh, the, the majority of people who are a part of this church were not part of either of the former churches. So um, that's just the way God continues to build his, his body, and, and we continue to change and grow. Um, when we merged and formed this church, our aim as leaders was to preserve as much continuity as possible uh, while at the same time not being hesitant to make changes that needed to be made in order for New Covenant to flourish. So there were certain changes that we made early on in the life of the church, and there were other things that we agreed to wait on. One of the questions that faced us at the beginning of our church's was, uh, life was whether or not we would have women functioning in diaconal roles. The church that I was pastoring had women functioning as deaconesses and had since uh, before I came to that church in 1991. Uh, the other church did not have women serving in diaconal roles. And we decided back in 2010 that this would be something we would address in the future. And I've been clear as lead pastor from the beginning, even when we were talking about merging, I believe in women deacons. I, I believe they add great value to uh, the ministry of the church. I think it's not only uh, permissible biblically, but I think it's a good thing for the church to have women serving in diaconal roles. Um, but during these years, we, we haven't formally set apart women as deacons. Uh, we have had women helping the deacons in many fruitful ways. Around 2018, the elders started a study on women in ministry. And uh, as we went into this study, I want to be clear that we weren't reconsidering our statement of faith. Our statement of faith commits us to what is typically, typically called a complementarian uh, position on uh, men and women 
uh, roles and relationships of men and women in marriage and in ministry. And for example, we affirm these things. In God's wise purposes, men and women are interdependent, not simply interchangeable. They complement each other in mutually enriching ways. We also affirm that God ordains that men and women assume distinctive roles which reflect the loving relationship between Christ and the church. The husband exercising headship in a way that displays the caring sacrificial love of Christ and the wife submitting to her husband in a way that models the love of the church for her Lord. We also affirm that in the ministry of the church, both men and women are encouraged to serve Christ and be developed to their full potential in the manifold ministries of the people of God, but that the distinctive leadership role of elder or pastor within the church is to be given to qualified men. Uh, these are commitments which flow out of our statement of faith. And as we sought to think through the question of women in ministry at New Covenant Bible Church, we were doing so within that framework of complementarianism. Uh, we were not questioning whether we should change our position doctrinally, but we were consciously aiming to ensure that our practice as a church reflected a full embrace of the value of women and men, not only as equals who are created in God's image, but as valued partners in ministry who are one in Christ. We don't want women in our church to feel they are merely allowed to serve or to lead in certain ministries. We want the women of our church to feel pursued for service and for leadership in ministry. And we believe there is a wider scope of ministry within the church in which women and men can serve together and exercise leadership than has sometimes been expressed at New Covenant. So after an extensive time of reading and study together, the elders reached the conclusion as a team, one of the, one of the conclusions we reached was that women should be pursued and welcomed into the diaconal ministry of New Covenant Bible Church. And after we reached this conclusion, Pastor Patrick began meeting with the deacons, many of whom are here, maybe all of whom are here tonight, uh, to guide them through a time of study and to prepare them for a new approach to diaconal ministry that will uh, embrace both men and women and also new structures, as we're going to talk about next time. So that brings us to this point in our congregation's life. Uh, we want to share with you why we believe New Covenant would be strengthened by including women in our diaconal ministry. And we're not saying this is the biblical way or that what we've been doing up until now has been unbiblical. This is not a first order issue of doctrine. Uh, this is something on which Christians can and do disagree. But we believe that New Covenant by, would, would be blessed by welcoming women into the diaconate. And we're going to make a case for that over the next couple of months. And we're going to give you the opportunity to interact with us about this. We, we welcome your questions. And you can talk to any elder about this. Um, and then our plan, after going through some time of uh, learning about this as a congregation, is early in the new year, we are going to ask the congregation to uh, vote to amend our church's constitution. 
so that the role of deacon is open to spiritually qualified men and women. And we're going to propose a new structure for diaconal ministry and simplify uh, some of the wording in the Constitution as well. So tonight, Patrick's going to come and he's going to present a biblical rationale for women deacons. And then I'm going to present some evidence from church history of women who have served fruitly, fruitfully in this role from the earliest time. Uh, then we're going to open it up for question and answer. So, uh, Patrick, if you would just kind of guide us into the scriptures now. Thank you, David. If you'd like to follow along, the handout here that you might see, I'll just, I won't read it, but you'll kind of be able to track where I'm going with it. So, yeah, I just want to add my voice to also thanking our deacons who have been serving. Love you guys. Really proud of all the work you're doing, and it's bearing much fruit in our church, and thank you so much, just the relationships of, uh, that you have and you've done. So we really praise God for that. Um, <clears throat> and you you're, um, also have given me your blessing to go in this direction, so <laughs> you can uh, ask them how they process this as well as we've been studying it. Well, let's, let's look at Scripture together. We don't want this to be a pragmatic argument. We really want the Word of God to direct all of our direction for these kind of decisions. And when Scripture speaks of deacons, there's four to five passages, depending on your translation, So, uh, speaking of deacons. So we're going to look at these tonight. Uh, again, like David said, you know, Scripture is not absolutely definitive on women deacons. Thus, sincere Bible interpreters differ. Um, yet it's not an unimportant doctrinal question. And the reason the elders have been studying this, like David talked about, with uh, welcoming more women in ministry, is to do all we can in our church to structure love and impact. That's, that's really our goal, is how do we better structure ourselves to love one another, to serve one another, and to do good. And that's why the elders have concluded that after there are several good biblical reasons for having ordained women deacons in the congregation who are commissioned to this. So um, now let me say in the outset, let me, let me say this, this might be helpful. I think one reason a few churches do not have women deacons is because of the way they define deacon. So maybe you've seen a church structure where they've had like a solo pastor and then a deacon board. Well, the deacon board basically functioned like elders in the church. And we wouldn't recommend they have a woman deacon either because the way they define deacons are eldering as elders. So we would maybe suggest to them, maybe rethink what you, your definition of deacon and then, and then consider women deacons. So, but Philippians 1, one of the passages with the word deacon in it, translate deacon. Philippians 1.1, Paul is writing to the church here, and he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints, now I want you to notice three groups mentioned in this first verse. So he's writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus, so that's the congregation who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Overseers is synonymous interchangeable with elder. So sometimes you'll see elders, sometimes you'll see overseer. Two Greek words referencing the role of elder. But the role of, of deacon 
comes from a Greek word that's kind of a transliteration. It's diakonoi. So that sounds similar. That's one reason why I read it. Um, but this is consistent throughout the New Testament, that the church consists of these three distinct, really, but connected groups. You have the congregation, then you have two offices, elder and deacon. So they're distinct offices in the church. They're separate. They're, they're not defined. They're not, they're not paralleling. One's not the Senate, and the other one's the House of Legislation. <laughs> that is not actually the structure. This isn't about, not everyone has authority. They, these are different roles. So it's good to think through, oh, okay, we're not uh, breaking any kind of authoritative role with women deacons. So because there is one prohibition, and you might be familiar with this, in First Timothy 2.12, where the Apostle Paul gave this instruction to Timothy, who was a pastor. He said, it's, it's a bold statement. He said, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. 1 Timothy 2.12. The prohibition there is to teach or to have authority over a man. Tom Schreiner and other expositors, they explain that the context of this verse in Timothy is to identify a specific type of teaching that is in the context of local church Namely, the public transmission of authoritative teaching that gives direction. Kind of like when we explain our doctrinal statement as a church, like where we're going, what we believe, like in a new members class. That is, that's what Paul's saying here. That, like, this is the role of an elder, elders in the church to have direction for the, the doctrinal focus and protect, protection of the doctrine of the church and the public transmission of this material. So Paul is not saying that women can never have authority over men or women shouldn't teach at all. The point he's talking about in 1 Timothy 2.12 is the office of elder is for qualified men who have this teaching authority in the church's overall direction and theology. That's the prohibition mentioned in 1 Timothy 2.12 referencing elders. And then in chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, He's going to talk about the qualifications of the elder. So it, it fits that context. Remember, this is Paul writing to a pastor who's thinking through appointing elders. You know, and, he's, and so that's where you see more clarity about the gender qualifications of an elder than you would about a deacon. So I think there's more clarity in the Bible on the role of elder being for men, qualified men. And that we're not seeing that, I'm going to argue now, uh, for the role of deacon, because remember, how we define deacon isn't the same as elder. They're, they're different offices. So uh, when, we, when it comes to the role of deacons, we actually pick it up in the first, first part. So let me, let me just ask you a question. What is the office of a deacon? So at the heart, heart of the term deacon and the office, the diaconate, which we're calling as the deacon team, the heart of the word, the meaning of the word, when you look it up, it means service. So deacons are Christians who serve the Lord. They've been appointed by the, the church, and they serve the Lord Jesus by leading service. They're leading in this ministry of ministries in the local church. So the word deacon means uh, to render humble service, menial sometimes, for the benefit of others, to care for the need of others. That's the meaning of deacon. And being a deacon is a high calling. Uh, like David was talking about, Jesus didn't define greatness by 
service being rendered to you, but by giving service. That's how Jesus defines greatness. So Jesus said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the word he's using, to serve, is where we get the word deacon. So if you just threw in the word deacon there, like a transliteration, you'd essentially be saying, Jesus said, I didn't come to be deaconed, I came to deacon, if you make it a verb. And so it's a high calling, it's, it's a gospel reflection, the life of Christ, that he came to serve um, the least of these. And this is how we want to think about deacon. As a matter of fact, a lot of other scripture, the, the root word of the word deacon is used over 30 times in the New Testament. It, there's so many places, and, and many of these work, if you just think about deacon for a minute, like in Matthew 20, it says, whoever wants to be great among you must be your deacon. Or also in Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your deacon. I mean, th this is how the word is used. It's the servant, the, the serving. So it's a high calling because it rises from the heart of the gospel of Christ. So the diaconate as an office can be conf a confusing concept if all Christians are called to serve. What's the point of a deacon if all Christians are called to serve? And so the point of the deacon is God's grace and mercy in a church to organize the works of ministry, organize the service. So not everyone needs to be a deacon, but we need a few deacons who are able to facilitate and put charge to care and all the mercy ministries we want to see happen. So they, they're qualified, and we're going to argue men and women, who are going to help facilitate this in the congregation. So you can see the value of it. They're, they're, they're leading the charge of how we're going to care for all the various needs that can come up in a church. Um, <clears throat> so let's look now specifically at the qualifications of a deacon from 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 to 13. And I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll reflect mainly on verse 11. So let me read it first. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect and not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, or we're going to talk about or women, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanders, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and a great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. The first word of 1 Timothy 3.11 is literally women. Though in English Bible translations, you'll see Women or wives. For example, the New American Standard Bible or the NIV both translate it women, whereas the CSB here uses wives. Um, here's four options. Professor Daniel Doriani, he gives a helpful summary of four major positions regarding verse 11. One, the women are part of the general order of deacons. So that's one option. Two, they are female deacons or deaconesses who correspond somehow to the male deacons. Three, they are assistants to the deacons, like the praiseworthy widows and older women who train the younger. Or they are the deacons' wives. 
So he observes, though, that the regardless of your position, here's a key point, all four views agree that women should be involved in the diaconal work. So regardless of where you land on this, there's definitely a place for all women uh, or qualified women in the diaconal work. And the elders, as we've been studying, we're going to, we feel the most uh, clarity in point one, actually, that women are to be part of the general order of deacons. So let me give you some of the reasons for that. And there's a larger article in the back on your way home, if you'd like to take from Dr. Tom Schreiner, who, who echoes this position too. So here's some of the key arguments for women deacons from 1 Timothy 3, verse 11. So first one I already mentioned, that the first word in Greek, uh, I think I put on your notes there, gynekos, is best translated women, as in women deacons, for several reasons. First, Paul uses this word eight times in 1 Timothy, and all of which work best if you translate them women. Even when it comes to the qualifications of an elder or deacon, they really are literally the two in Greek. They're two words right next to each other, woman, man. Really what it's saying is a one woman man, a man with one woman. <laughs> so it's easier to say husband or one wife. You know, it's, it's the, the, the word husband or wife are, are part of our translation of, the, you know, the, of what they're getting at. But basically it's a one woman man is a qualification of, a, of an elder. So even in that context, it can work for women translate. So a second point, in the ESV, for example, they translate the beginning of verse 12 with their wives. And then in the footnote, it'll give you the two options. It'll say, or it means wives or women. So they, they realize there's options, right? But it's important to note that the addition of the possessive pronoun there is actually not there. It's, it, is an, it is an interpretation. So it would be an interpretation of the translator putting in their wives. And that's, um, and obviously they're, they're trying to say some of that. So that's not in the text. Um, but another third point here is consider the paragraph's grammatical structure. And look at verse 8 and verse 11 for a minute. You have the same phrase in verse 8 with verse 11. So verse 8 says, Deacons likewise must be worthy of respect. And that's followed by three qualifications. And then verse 11, Women likewise must be worthy of respect. And then it's followed by three qualifications. So these two verses act in exact parallel. They each feature the word likewise, followed by worthy of respect. So the reason the word likewise is being used here is because it's being compared to verse 2 um, with elders. So it says, verse 2 says, an overseer therefore must be, and then qualifications of an elder. Deacons likewise must be, women likewise must be. So one way, uh, one way the flow of thought is, is he gives the qualifications of an elder, and then he's saying deacons likewise have qualifications, and women deacons have qualifications. So th these are the discussions. So one thing you might, just reading it, and, and I know uh, a, a, a few of us have asked this question, like, it seems random. You know, he's talking about deacons, and they 
jumps to mention women, and he's back talking about deacons. So is that a random insertion of a comment? So, or is it a flow of thought? So let me give you a, another structure to consider that it's a flow of thought. And look at the uh, structural flow of thought. So verse 1 through 7 are qualifications for elders. Verses 8 to 9, general qualifications for deacons. Verse 11, specific qualifications for female deacons. Verse 12, specific qualifications for male deacons. And then verse 13, the summary for all deacons. So that's a possible flow of thought that could help if you felt that was a very random section to throw in the wives there. And another question you might want to ask is, why are wives mentioned for deacons but not elders? And our conclusion to that would be because he's, because he's given permission for women deacons. We're, we're the, that's another strong argument for the role of elder is only for qualified men. So hopefully that uh, just outline help. And we'll have Q&A in case there's something else in there. So let me just close by saying, along with the scripture, there's really also many practical reasons to have women deacons. We believe this is God's good intention for the church to have qualified women as deacons. The church is a family, God's household of faith. In fact, there are quite a few care situations that involve women and children. So it makes perfect sense to have women deacons. We need brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers involved in the many practical and mercy ministries in the life of the church. It's designed for the flourishing of all involved. We do believe that we could impoverish ourselves uh, without qualified sisters in the diaconate. The elders would like to make this statement and have your, for your consideration. So I'm just going to read it, and I believe I... It's in your notes, so you can follow up. Therefore, based on our understanding of the New Testament teaching regarding deacons, along with how NCBC has defined the role of a deacon, so that, that's really important, including its focus on service and on authority, and along with practical considerations for serving our entire church body of male and female, women may serve as deacons at NCBC. So it gives you some thought. We're going to look at one more verse from Romans 16, and then David's going, which David's going to look at, and then talk about the church history examples. Okay, so hopefully you can see what we're trying to do here is make a case. It's not the authoritative, this must be this way according to scripture. This is an area where there's room for interpretation. But uh, we believe there's a good case to be made for women serving in the diaconate. And I believe that case is strengthened when we look to the practice of the early church. And we, we have indications of the practice of the early church already in scripture in Romans chapter 16, for instance. Uh, so if you want to take a peek there in your Bibles, that's the, the last chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, where he lists all those different people that he wants to commend for the way uh, they have worked with him in gospel ministry and serve the church. And um, he starts by commending a woman named Phoebe. And here's what he says in Romans 16, 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, 
so obviously she's a woman, our sister Phoebe, who is a diaconon of the church in St. Crea. Now that word is the same root word used for deacons in 1 Timothy 3. As Patrick has already indicated, it's a word that in various contexts can be translated servant, um, as the ESV and the CSB do with a footnote indicating that that could also be translated as deacon, or it can be translated deacon, as the NIV does, our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrea, and the NIV includes this footnote. The word deacon refers here to a Christian designated to serve with the overseers, elders of the church in a variety of ways, similarly in Philippians 1.1 that Patrick pointed to, and 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 and 12. Now, it is possible that Paul is simply saying that Phoebe is a servant of the church in Sincrea. But every time in the New Testament and in early Christian literature that this word diakonos is used with the additional designation of the church, diakonos of the church, every time in the New Testament or in early Christian Greek literature, it's referring to a personal designation or a title to an office when it says diaconon of the church. Therefore, Professor Spiegel of Dallas Seminary concludes this. If Phoebe is merely a helpful assistant of the church at Sincrea in Romans 16.1, this is the only time the construction is used this way in the earliest Christian literature. Uh, the weight of usage points to Paul saying Phoebe is a recognized deacon of the church in Sincrea. And he says Phoebe is working hard, like the deacons of our church do, to serve the body. Uh, Paul says she's been a patron of many. She's a woman of means, perhaps someone who has her own business. She's using her wealth and her resources to build up the church and advance the gospel. And Paul tells them, welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. So she's coming from Sincrea to Rome. Many people believe she's actually the one who's delivering Paul's letter to the Romans, to the church in Rome. And that's why he's commending her and saying to them, welcome her. Wouldn't that be a privilege to be the messenger who brings the letter to the Roman church for the first time and shares that letter with the church. What a treasure that would be. So that's Phoebe. She's working hard as, I would say, a deacon of the church in Sincrea, and she's commended by the Apostle Paul uh, for her service to the church in Rome. Welcome her, he says. Now, if we took the time to read through the rest of the list of names in Romans chapter 16, we discover that nine of them are women. And we'd also notice that whenever, when Paul says someone is working hard, it is almost always, if not always, a woman he's talking about. The women are the ones who he st says stand out for working hard. He gets to some of these guys' names and just starts listing them. Asyncretus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, just a list of guys. But then for the women, he stops and says, they worked hard for the Lord. Paul is celebrating the ministry of women in this church. 
They exercised influence. They worked hard. They're valued partners uh, to Paul. So this is a good counter uh, argument to anyone who suggests that Paul is a misogynist, that he's anti-women. Uh, you need to read Romans 16 and just see how much he valued those women as his equals, as dear partners in the ministry. The early church father uh, preacher, Chrysostom, who preached in what's modern-day Istanbul, um, he said this, The women of that time were more zealous than lions, sharing with the apostles in their labor. Uh, they shared deep friendships and partnership in the gospel. Now, that's in the Bible. Uh, Professor Spiegel uh, I think we give you a link to uh, his article, and I think he's written more than one article on this. I've, I've read some things that he's written in the past. Um, he provides evidence from the post-apostolic church, so this would be the church in the first century after the close of the New Testament, then the second and the third century, uh, that shows that women were functioning in diaconal roles early on in the church's life. Uh, Clement, for instance, was a leader in the church in Rome in the late 90s. So that's the twilight of the apostolic era. And Clement wrote a letter called The Shepherd of Hermas, in which he speaks of a woman named Grapti, who was tasked with the responsibility of instructing widows and orphans, a responsibility which later in the same letter is designated for the office of deacons. And so at the very end of the apostolic period, there's evidence that there's a female deacon named Grapti who's functioning in a recognized official capacity in a prominent church in Rome to instruct, to disciple widows and orphans as part of the diaconal work. Then there's another letter from Asia Minor in the year 111 that speaks of two female Christians called deaconesses. In the third century, there's a document called the Didascalia that urges women deacons to minister to women in their homes because it would be inappropriate, it says, for male deacons to do so. And women deacons were called upon to assist in the baptisms of women and to catechize women and children in their preparation for baptism. So deacons, both men and women, were highly involved in catechetical work, the discipleship work, the instruction of uh, new converts, and in the service of the body. So let me read to you a couple paragraphs from Professor Spiegel, just giving his conclusions from early church history. He says, clearly, both scripture and the ancient church point to an incontestable fact Women were heavily involved in the ministry of the church, both local and Catholic. Exactly when the function of recognized servants of the church, male and female, began to be identified as an actual office of deacon or minister is not so clear. Though it's possible that the office of deaconess was established from the very beginning, as in Romans 16, it's also possible that this office grew into its own over the course of the apostolic period from about AD 35 to 100. What does this evidence suggest? It suggests that by the end of the apostolic age, the ordained church office of deaconess was in existence, having developed, having developed throughout the apostolic period and therefore endorsed by apostolic authority. 
This is by no means a case that can be demonstrated beyond a reasonable doubt, but the available evidence seems to tip the balance toward the establishment of an office for deaconess as a biblical office. Such an office would involve training, testing, and ordination to this particular appointment, like what we do when we bring on new deacons and elders in our church. We publicly recognize and set them apart. And he says such an office would also involve real authority and responsibility as deacons and deaconesses work together in assisting the elders in the work of church ministry, granted the title of ministers, servants. In short, a truly, this is his concluding sentence. In short, a truly conservative approach to the role of women in ministry that seeks to base their churches on the most likely post-apostolic model would include not only male, but also female ministers assisting the elders in the work of the ministry. So there's the testimony from early church history that I find compelling. Um, up into the, the present era, I know that, that one of the concerns sometimes people have is the whole slippery slope concern. Um, you know, we, there, there's a concern about some of the progressivist agenda or some of the uh, secular feminist agenda. Um, I hope you can see from the biblical, the way we've presented the biblical case and the historical case that that's not what's driving us as elders. Um, there are other, many other conservative churches like ours in terms of their view of scripture and theology uh, that have women in diaconal ministry, churches that we respect. Um, John MacArthur uh, believes in women in diaconal ministry. Um, Capitol Hill Baptist in Washington, D.C. has women deacons. Um, Crossway Community Church that's been very influential to me has women deacons. And we could go on and list more churches uh, that uh, have very similar doctrinal commitments to ours and are complementarian in their view of women and men uh, who have women deacons. So it's not, it's not a novel thing. It's not being driven by a progressivist agenda. And I would just say that uh, when you think about slippery slope arguments, they can be kind of, they can be slippery. And, and the slippery slope runs both ways. Um, just as we don't want to be given over to secular ideas, uh, progressive ideas on fem feminism, we also don't want to be given over to patriarchal ideas, which are equally harmful um, and threatening to the, the health of the church. And so what, what we're trying to do is uh, look at what does the Bible say and how can we fully embrace and pursue uh, the, the, the beauty of the design that God has. So that, that concludes our formal presentation. What I want to do now is just uh, open it up for any questions, any comments uh, that you have. And uh, if we can't answer it tonight, we'll try to do a better job of answering it in a couple of weeks. But um, just feel free to chime in with any of your thoughts. And, and maybe, Patrick, you could come up here too, because Patrick's been doing a lot of work on this uh, over the last year and a half. So um, who has a question? or a comment. We'll start in the front row and yeah. <laughs> of course you got it. Wayne. We'll start in the back row. Is that or oh, that's Jay. Yeah. Hi Jay. Right. 
Yeah, because in the Bible, the word deaconess is not actually used. I mean, with, with Phoebe, the word is the same as he would use with any deacon. And what, what, so a deaconess is a woman deacon. It's just like a prophetess is a woman prophet. Um, and what we don't want to do is develop like two separate boards here that we don't have a board of deacons we don't have a board of elders we have a team of elders i don't like the word board in a church setting to begin with okay we have a team of elders who oversee um, the the leadership of the church we have a team of deacons and we want women and men working together as a team to do the ministry of deaconing to equip the church to serve sally Yeah, we're going to develop that more. Uh, she asked what kind of, I'm going to repeat this for the uh, thing, uh, what kind of service do we envision women doing? Uh, we're, going, we're going to develop that more on October 10th, but in short, we're, we're envisioning a mercy uh, committee uh, for the deacons. We're, we're uh, um, envisioning kind of a property facilities committee, and then there's going to be some specialized areas of ministry, like welcoming ministry, uh, we're, we're bringing that under the diaconal ministry structure as well. So um, we, we, would, we wouldn't say that women can't serve in any of those areas, but their interests may lie particularly in, in one of those areas. And especially in terms of ministry to the women um, of our church, um, that would be where adding women deacons to our ministry can strengthen it. And I, I know that uh, Wayne... Um, you know, mentioned that there have been a number of settings in which women have been really helpful to the deacons. Wayne, do you want to just say a word about that from, from where you're at, from your vantage point? I know when we talked on the phone back in August, you mentioned a, a particular situation where uh, you were so helped by having women involved. Any other questions? Yes. Yeah. Did we not put the link um, on that? Um, uh, Brandon, what's the name of uh, Retro Christianity? Retro Christianity, um, and the professor is Spiegel. S P I E G E L. Uh, what's his first name, Brandon? It's escaping me. Michael Spiegel. He's he's very well versed in in uh, patristics, the the early church fathers, and has done a lot of study in that whole realm. And if you type in Michael Spiegel, retro Christianity deaconesses or women deacons, I think you'll be able to find it pretty quickly. He's done some good work on that.
that's a good question, Michelle. Um, what else? Anyone else have a question? You know, it's that type of thing that, that we're thinking. Yes, Eric. Uh, you know, she, she is functioning in a lot of those ways. Mm -hmm. And there are other women in our church who are as well. Yeah. Yeah, like Tracy Howell. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Donna. Donna, yep. And, and so we want to have the kind of teamwork where we're, you know, just like the elders spur one another on in our work, we want the, the women and men in the diaconate to be able to do that and to organize uh, so that the church is being cared for and served well and equipped. Anyone else? Okay, well, let's not belabor the point. It's 5.55. Thank you so much for being here tonight. We'll come again in two weeks at 5 p.m. We'll talk more around the structure uh, questions. And uh, if you have any questions in the meantime, uh, do feel free to reach out to any of the elders or the deacons have been very involved in this discussion as well and they're ready to interact with you from their perspective on this. Uh, like I said, our aim is to move toward amending the church constitution in early 22 and then after that is done is when we would move toward actually uh, working to reorganize and establish kind of a, a rebooted diaconal ministry that would include women. And so that's going to that's gonna take a little bit of time. Uh, but we first need to change the church constitution in order to do that. So we want to give you plenty of time to absorb this. We know that the elders and the deacons have had a lot of time to think about it. And uh, we don't want to rush the church through this. So feel free. Um, along the way, if you have questions or concerns or thoughts about it, how it could be done better, um, feel free to talk with us about this. We're really open to your thoughts. So, Elder Joe, would you close this night?